Hello, and welcome to the Sound Up Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Cartwright, joined as always by my co-host, John Carey. And we are here today with a special guest, as we mentioned in yesterday's pod. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, this is John Rosenberger, a friend of the pod. Happy to be here. And the biggest biggest Zag fan we know. This guy, this guy follows them more closely than Mark Few's wife. <laughs> um, this episode is going to be all about breaking down mostly the Gonzaga basketball team. I know they're excited to talk about it. A little UW at the end. <laughs> and I will be happy to share my UW opinions as these Zag guys know nothing about UW basketball. <laughs> um, but so yeah, for this pod, I'll mostly be moderating and kind of sharing my input on general college basketball uh, goings-ons. Um, but other than that, anything else before we get to a little Coyote picnic? No, let's dive in. Actually, we should say... Our guest is the lead singer of Coyote Picnic. You oh hear his voice God. every week. You are? <laughs> I had no idea. That's right. Yeah, John Rosenberg, the lead singer. Thanks, guys. All right, John, I'm going to give you the floor right here. Sorry, we've got two Johns in the pod. I'm going to call you Carrie and Rosenberger, just just for the sake of simplicity. That fair. <laughs> uh, Carrie, please break down your initial thoughts on the Gonzaga basketball team and kind of what you want to talk about during this pod. So I think the place we have to start, because we've talked kind of briefly about the overview of the offseason moves of this team, um, talking about their depth and talking about, you know, what a new look it's going to be. Um, I think we have to start this podcast with the Steel Venters injury. Um, it has really shaken up what this team is going to look like this year um, in some very negative ways, but also in some ways that open the floor to some creative lineup possibilities. Whether or not Mark View takes advantage of those opportunities, uh, we have yet to see, but uh, I think we got to start with Steel Venters. So, John, you're the one, you, you let me know, Rosenberger that is, <laughs> you let me know that Steele got hurt. I didn't even know. You sent me the text. Like, what? what's happening? Why Why now? Why us? Why us, indeed. Um, yeah, so news was broken last night that uh, Venters, uh, I guess, hurt his knee in practice. And it looks like he'll be out for the season. He was definitely the presumptive starting small forward, uh, which our backcourt is definitely our thinner uh, area on the roster. And so, as you said, definitely definitely opens up the floor a bit. Um, as far as the season in general, with or without Venters, my question was really just how all these minutes were going to get replaced. I mean, losing Drew Timmy, Julian Strother, Rasheer Bolton, um, and I'm probably forgetting someone else, but... Um, Hunter Salas. Oh, yeah. Hunter Salas, our transfers. Yeah, that was tough. Uh, so a lot of production to make up, and it's definitely going to be a, a few legacy here if we can get some big wins. Yeah, the start of the season is brutal, but we can get to that. Uh, yeah, so it's tough about Steel is not only was he the presumptive starting three? Not only was he expected to be the best pure shooter on the roster, um, but he was also one of the more experienced guys. 
uh, particularly at that three spot on this team. He was a retro junior, a guy that you knew you could trust, transferring over from Eastern Washington, uh, obviously stepping up to a new level of competition, but a guy that's been there before, and uh, you can count on the production. So in terms of how the team is currently stacked up, we've got Ryan Nemhard, the second coming, um, starting at point guard, and we will likely have Nolan Hickman, the, you know, Mark Howard, uh, Mark Few's favorite son, mm-hmm. still on the roster. Hunter Salas is gone, <laughs> and I'm not bitter about it. But he'll probably start at the two. Um, and Ventures was our three. With him out, now we're going to have to look to some young guys at that position, more than likely. Um, and the three guys that we're going to look at there are Dusty Stronger, who's a freshman. We're looking at Luka Kranovich. Kranovich. Damn it. I'm so bad at these names. Those we, are pretty good. We had a pre-pod meeting, and, and Roseberger literally corrected my pronunciation of half of the names on this <laughs> roster. I'm very insecure. Um, or June Sakyo, mm-hmm. um, the, I guess, technically sophomore out of South Korea. So two international guys and an American, all freshmen in terms of NCAA play, um, with the way that few typically plays lineups, one of them is likely to slot in at the starting three. John, which of those guys, of those three, would you like to see? I think of the three, Dusty Stromer is the maybe obvious pick here. Uh, Kranovich is big for a guard. He's like 6'5". Um, and he does have some good experience playing pro ball in Croatia. He was on, I believe, like Croatia's highest league. Um, and so he's definitely got some good experience. I think that he'll be a valuable addition. Three isn't really his natural spot. He used to play point guard, had his best season last year sliding to off ball. Uh, so he can do both. But three would be kind of weird for him. Particularly because he is not a shooter. That's not his strong point. No, I, yeah, he had his best shooting season last year, again, off the ball, but, but being at the three would be, it'd be out of position for him. Um, Jun Sakyo is an interesting prospect. He's 6'8". Uh, he's played at the highest level in Korea, uh, you know, for their senior national team. We were excited about him. He played on their, he played on their Olympic team. Like, this guy was supposed to be kind of a finished product coming in. Yeah, he he's 21, so you would think he'd be a little bit more uh, polished. In the early looks that we've gotten of him, it doesn't seem like he's getting a lot of minutes, and it doesn't seem like he's really uh, earning any more with the ones he's getting. Uh, I think the three is a pretty solid position for him, three or four. Um, but considering it usually takes guys a while to learn the Fuse system, and Few doesn't really give a long leash to guys who can't play defense or, like, you know, get out of position, rather. He, I, mean, I don't know if he can, but, I mean, in Korea, he was super high-volume scorer. He was their best player. He played center. I mean, he brought the ball up. He played center. He did everything, so he could probably do a lot. But I think Stromer is the natural fit here. He, he can shoot. He can put the ball on the floor. He's skinny, so we'll see if he can play defense at this level. But... Um, I like his game a lot, and he seems like he's you know getting minutes 
uh, already, and so he's just going to get more, you know. Did you say Strober was 6'5"? I think he's 6'6". Six, 6'6". Six. Six, six. That's actually kind of small, it sounds like. I mean, generally in college, guys are 6'7", six, 6'8", six, when they're playing that number three position. Um, my immediate thought when I hear that is it sounds like the Zags are going to try and do what they do best and play fast. Definitely. We do love playing fast. Um, yeah, I, I agree on the Strober point out of those guys, particularly with Nemhard and Hickman. You know, Hickman was our point guard last year. Nemhard will have the ball and deserves to have the ball in his hand starting this season. But so now our one and two guards both are going to be high usage, you know, ball running through them guys. So it makes sense at that three position. That's why it almost hurts so much more to lose Venters is because of his size and because of you just knew that he was going to be a really elite three-point shooter. So he just fit really seamlessly with those two guys. And Stromer is probably the best guy on the roster too replicate a venter type year he does have size he's, he's skinny but he is 6'6 six, six. Um, and he is the best shooter of the bunch by a sizable margin from what we've seen june is supposed to be a good shooter but we haven't seen it at, at this level um so that makes most sense and then yeah backing him up yeah those two can just fight over who can be the most uh you know multifaceted kind of swiss army knife international guy i guess yeah, definitely. Um, to your point, Tyler, I, I definitely think Gonzaga is going to continue to play fast. That's been their calling card over the last several years, um, having one of the fastest adjusted tempos in the country um, just by Ken Palm standards. We've had the top offense, adjusted offense, for the last few years by Ken Palm. And as far as top 10 teams at the end of last season... Uh, Gonzaga is definitely one of the one of the fastest. Alabama plays really fast. Kansas as well. Um, but we're definitely going to play fast, which begs the question of you know I, the, I think the defense is a question this year. Every year. <laughs> yeah. Well, for the last few years certainly. Um, and then yeah, I mean that brings us to I guess the front court, which we haven't talked about, with also some new faces, but. Um, Hopefully we can get some rim protection and solid internal defense or inside defense, I suppose, based on the, you know, with, with the guards being maybe smaller. Yeah, I, I we were talking before about, so yeah, the Venters injury hurts. We also mentioned before on a previous pod that Marcus Adams Jr., he was going to likely slot in at the three for us, um, transferred to BYU. He was a 6'8 freshman. Um originally committed to Kansas, I think it was. Yeah, he committed to Kansas, committed to Gonzaga before ever touching Spokane Earth. <laughs> I mean, he was he was a member of our roster for like a week. I, well, what I a week. can't say I miss him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but it just, you know, it, at one point we were talking about this roster and just like, oh, like a gluttony of riches. Like, who's not going to have a chance? And then we lose two you know, threes, and suddenly we're pulling some of our guards into the three position. Now our guards are looking a little bit thinner, so it's kind of a cascading process with those two losses that's making this team skinnier in the backcourt. But both of us are still super optimistic about this frontcourt. Um, yeah, so obviously the headlining returners from last year are going to be uh, Anton Watson and my one and only savior, Ben Gregg. Um, 
But Graham Ike, I apologize for mispronouncing it, Graham Ike, for the last six months, <laughs> um, is coming in, and he'll likely slot in at the five. Um, and Braden Huff is redshirt freshman, is that correct? Correct. Um, a really athletic, sweet shooting, uh, 6'10", big. So just Ben Gregg light is what I'm hearing? Ben Gregg heavy. Oh, <laughs> We can talk about that. Uh, yeah, John's a big, a big, uh, big Huff guy. He's physically larger. Is also more what I meant. But <laughs> they are, they are both six ten. They are the exact same height. He's heavier though. He's bigger on the court. You can tell. But two hundred forty-two to two hundred thirty pounds. We're talking about twelve pounds here. Twelve pounds is a lot of movement that you can create. I, I suppose. I like, I, I like them both. But the point being. That is going to be a really fun front court rotation for Few to work with. He always he loves he has always loved working through the front court, and I think he's got kind of a gluttony of riches this year. Um, as you noted, Braden and Ben, the two Bs, um, they are mirror images of each other in a certain way. They're both three point shooting six ten bigs um, that are good rebounders. Braden Huff is more athletic and known as a better rim protector, but Ben Gregg was no slouch on defense last year. We saw it in big moments. Um, so both of those guys are just like hyper versatile. Like you could play either one of them with either of the other two front court guys. You could play them together. Um, so they're just two just fun tools. And then Anton, you know what you're getting. You're getting eight points a game. Hey now, hey now. You're getting in my opinion, one of the more versatile forwards in college basketball, a guy that can do literally everything on the court to a decent level. Um, and then Graham E.K. is coming in out of Wyoming, and he is Drew Timmy light. He's 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 Drew Timmy 0.5. Is that fair to say? Yeah, his game is very similar to Timmy's in the like little bit that I've seen of it. Um, obviously, Timmy is a unique... Special player, but yeah, EK's, <laughs> EK's game is definitely back to the basket. Um, he averaged 20 and 10 at Wyoming two seasons ago, missed all of last season uh, with a foot injury. Seems to be back. Uh, he, you know, there's been chatter about, oh, is he going to play or not? Um, <clears throat> but yeah, he's a workhorse. He's, uh, he's bigger than Timmy. He's stronger than Timmy, I think. Probably a better defender. Hard not to be. You would have to hope. <laughs> um, so, certainly not going to be worse than Timmy, although he he, he isn't Chet Holmgren by any means. Um, but yeah, I think our front court, few often will run, you know, three bigs. Uh, you know, the fourth big last year was Efton Reed, who just got real spot minutes and ended up transferring. That guy sucked. Yeah, he, he didn't look great for us last year. Um, so that fourth big spot can be a little bit of a no-man's land on the short few bench. But I think uh, considering EK might be getting like a little bit of quote-unquote load management, not playing 40 minutes a game, I, I think considering that and Braden Huff's play so far in the little bit we've seen, um, I think we're going to be probably seeing a four-big lineup, or not not a four-big lineup, but four bigs playing um, and, and maybe having a little bit more parity in minutes between those four. Anton is definitely, you know, the alpha, the team leader 
Uh, he's obviously fifth year, Mr. Spokane, and so... Grad student, baby. He's yeah, got an advanced degree. He's in, I don't know what he's studying. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, so... Front court's going to be interesting, uh, and... And yeah, it is a, it's definitely a versatile group as far as the two younger guys can both shoot. They're both athletic and mobile, and uh, we've got some solid defense. No, no Chet Holmgren, no real rim protection, nobody's calling card, but um, I feel pretty optimistic about... Greg and Huff can both be weak side defenders at a high level. We don't have that... You're right. We don't have that tree in the middle. We don't have the... Brandon Clark. Yeah, yeah. But both of those guys, that's the nice thing, too, about Anton and Ike, is they're both so stout that uh, they're going to be able to stop a guy, and then you've got the weak side help coming over from the two taller, more athletic, uh, you know, young bigs. So I, I, I'm optimistic about that side of things. Yeah, I'd say that's the plan. Is there um, any sort of, like, thought that you talk about replacing minutes at the start of this pod? Is there any thought that Ben Gregg could play the three a little bit? I know you guys were just saying, you know, you need a three. And Ben Gregg, from what I've seen, he's a versatile enough perimeter defender. Like you guys were saying, he's not necessarily a a shot blocker, but he's got that uh, lateral quickness that, you know, he's shown when he's had stretches. (laughs) Tyler, I've not heard anybody bring that up before. And I got to tell you, I kind of love the idea because I do think he is. He's a quick guy. He's for his size. And his frame. He's not a skinny guy the way Chet was. He's he's filled out a bit. He's got some muscle on him. He's 230 pounds. But he can move laterally. He can move quickly. Um, there is a, a 0% chance that Mark Few puts a 6'10 traditional big at the three. He just he can't do it. Yeah, I, I would definitely be interested, and I hope we see some three big lineups. The last example of that in my Gonzaga memory uh, that people were clamoring for was Kyle Wilcher, Shemek Karnowski, and DeMontis Sabonis, and they never played all three together. Which was just a big mistake. But also, Shemek and Sabonis don't have any shooting, and so like there'd be no spacing on that lineup. So, in my mind, the three big lineup likely won't include EK, or... Rather, it would have to include both Greg and Huff. I think none of them really are natural threes by any means of those four guys. Watson maybe could be. Uh, I mean, Watson can guard on the perimeter. He's a great defender. He's 6'8", too. Like, I, I mean, think he's the most natural fit of the bigs at three. I mean, yeah, he's... he's. I, I think if anyone can do it, it'd be Watson. Um, and I think if Huff and Greg were both in then there'd be enough spacing on the floor for Watson to still be effective. And Watson has been threatening to be a good shooter for his whole career. So. <laughs> I was going to say, he's shooting like, tw- every time I watch him, he shoots like 25% from three. And I it's feel like it's always, oh, it's always right, right on the cusp. Um, yeah, I also think, I really liked what I saw from Anton last year. And I, I don't think it can be underestimated. I love Drew. There is literally not a bigger Drew Timmy fan on the planet than me. Like, I've defended Drew Timmy in so many formats and so many ways to people. Um, in my opinion, I really think he might be the greatest Zag of all time. But it can't be underestimated what a usage guy he was and how limiting him being on the court was. 
or the offensive potential of any other big on the Gonzaga team. Um, with that being said, I was really encouraged with what I saw from Anton last year in terms of handling the ball, particularly in transition. He did a really good job attacking the rim in transition with the ball in his hand. Um, he was a really good passer last year. He was making sharp, crisp passes, shooting, just teetering once again. But then he also added some low post stuff that I don't think we were expecting. He's obviously been watching Timmy a bit. Um, I kind of like the idea of him sliding into the three in that almost Joel Ayayi role. Joel was never a great shooter, but what he was was he was a really good defender, and he could move the ball, and he could attack the basket. He was really good at cutting. Yeah, and Anton's not everything that Joel was, and Joel's not everything Anton is. Anton's a better rebounder, and he's a better defender. Joel was really good, but um, it would be you know it would be a little bit clunky, and it would make most sense with Greg and Huff on the court. But I think you could run a lineup with Anton and Ike, and then one of the bigs for spacing. I think Anton with the ball in his hands provides enough spacing. Um, that that could potentially work. I think I think that's the lineup that excites me the most because then it also allows Stromer to come off the bench as a guard and you know as a freshman you know build his way up a little bit more instead of being thrust into things. Um, I think I think that could work. I've got a question. Everybody that you've described, I feel like, is all about ball movement and kind of picking their spots. They're kind of spot up shooters. I don't know of anybody on the Gonzaga team right now that can create their own shot at the end of a shot clock. Um, Who are you picking at the end of the game? Ryan Nemhard. Ryan Nemhard is the answer. The problem is he's so small. Yeah, I'm not necessarily sure that I agree with that being Nemhard. um, I I think that is probably the thing that Venters theoretically was going to bring us. He was... Player of the year in the big sky last year. Um, and, you know, he was definitely the guy to go get a bucket. Um, Nemhard is a great player. He's definitely a pass-first point guard. Um, he's not an excellent three-point shooter from what I understand. Um, I think the offense in general is going to run through EK in a similar way to how it's always running through the post. But... Late in the shot clock, um, I think the guy it's going to be is going to be Nolan Hickman, actually, which maybe is sending shutters down the spine of my co-host here. <laughs> but uh, I'm a Hickman believer. I, you know, he, he played more last season than he than I think perhaps he ought to have. I mean, there was lots of talk in the tournament about giving Salas more minutes, which I think is all well and good. A different conversation, but. By all accounts, Hickman is playing better off the ball. He's a strong ball handler. He, you know, he played forty minutes a game at the point guard last year, so there's trust there. And he's a very, very streaky, very streaky scorer. Like he'll have big games and he'll have total goose eggs. Um, but he's got a tight handle. He's a good shooter. I think he might have to be the guy. Um, and if not him then I do think there is there is some question of who can go get their own shot. It might have to be Anton, although it's never been his game. Um, 
And, yeah, I mean, hopefully one of these new guys can kind of just pop. I mean, hopefully, I think Nemhard is comfortable doing it. But just like his brother, Andrew, um, Andrew was never the guy to take this shot. We had so many weapons around him, so yeah. we'll see. Yeah, I, yeah, that, what you're saying is fair. But I also think that's part of what makes the few system the few system is some of the best teams that we put together didn't necessarily have guys that, like, excelled at getting their own shot late in the shot clock. When we had that team that went undefeated and lost to Baylor, that was Drew Timmy on his ascension. He was had not reached the height of Timmy yet. I would not say that we felt great about him getting a shot late in the shot clock. Jalen Suggs was a wrecking ball, but it's not like you're like, oh, hey, Jalen, there's four seconds left. Get us a good look. I disagree. I think Jalen was... And I think you'll see in the league now, he's not, you know, in the NBA, he's not as successful as he was in college, true of many people. But in college, Jalen Suggs could drive to the basket and get a bucket whenever he wanted, basically. Or at least get fouled. Yeah, I mean, he, he was so much more athletic than everybody else on the court. He could get a bucket for us if we needed one. I mean, like you said, the fuse system, we don't go to the bottom of the clock or the shot clock all the time. Um... But I think if you think of our best teams, you think of Jalen Suggs' team, and he could get a bucket. You know, obviously there were shooters around him, and, you know, other players on the team could do so. You think of the 2017 team, you had, uh, you know, Williams Goss could get his own bucket. Perkins. Perkins was never afraid to create his own (laughs) shot. He was happy to shoot. Um, So... Yeah, I'm wondering, you know, it might be a little bit of that Chet Holmgren team where it was Nemhard and Holmgren, and then it's kind of like, who else is getting the bucket? You know, Julian was kind of that guy for us last year. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, it's a question mark for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I think the thing about that and the thing that worries me about any sort of team like that um, comes when you get to the tournament. It's it's I think it's the reason that Few has never had the ability to to whoa. win a championship. Whoa. I'm, I'm gonna be honest. Bro, here. That is such a wild thing to say. Never had the ability to win the tournament. He went to two natties. Yeah, but he, the the key to winning the tournament is having a guy who in a huge game like that can get you a shot at, any, at any given moment. And I just don't think Few's offense is generally. I'm not gonna say every year. That is but some, generally that's not how it's run. That is some ESPN nine a.m. bullshit. <laughs> What, you don't think the semifinal games are big moments too? They're big yeah. moments, but the that's the thing. You at the end of the shot clock, when it, when the team has defended you well and has been defending you well all game, you need to have somebody with the energy and the skill to get you a good shot. Abs- that is absolutely fair. To win the NCAA tournament, you have to win six consecutive, increasingly difficult college basketball games. Any team that can win five of those games in a row is absolutely capable of winning a sixth. And at that point, Mark Few flipped a coin twice and got tails twice. Don't don't come at Few like that, saying he's not capable of winning in his system. That's crazy. He literally had the most most consecutive Elite Eight appearances since, like, Rupp in the 40s. Might be thinking of Sweet 16s, but... Oh, you're right. You're yeah, right. I... Uh, I have a little objection to the idea that they can't win, but I, I hear and, and accept the point that to win in a tournament, you think of the Kemba Walkers, you think of the guys who blow up and they can get you a bucket. 
when you need one. And I think that that is a limiting factor of this team. I don't think it's the only limiting factor. The defense, I still think, is a big question mark. That has been... Our best teams have been... Our best, our furthest advancing teams have been our best defensive teams. Our offense is going to be good again this year. Um, you know, Ken Palm, we've been the number one offense the last few years. Um, and I think we're probably expected to be again. Actually, we were the third in 22. We were one in 21. We were... Eighth, I know. There, that's Kansas. We were one in 2020. I mean, but I hear the points, and I think it's valid. I, I think to win six games in a row, you need to be able to just hope and just go get a bucket. And like your scheme's gonna blow, get blown up by somebody. You're gonna have an off night as far as how it's all working. So having a guy that can just go score is necessary. And we'll see who that is. It's been Drew Timmy in the past. You look at, like, the TCU game last year. You look at the Memphis game the year before that where we were dead in the water, and then Drew Timmy just said, no, I'm going to go score 20 points in the second half. Um, so it, it's certainly a question mark. We'll see if EK maybe can step into that role, but it's not exactly the same as that late in the shot clock, get a bucket. So we'll see. I think Hickman is, is going to be my hot take guess here. Yeah, that, that's fair. I, I agree that that is something this team is lacking. Um, and I do agree that that is a limiting factor in how far they may go. I don't think that has anything to do with Few's system. It's just the I players that we're able to get in. I didn't mean to call out Few. I know he's a Few <laughs> defender. Yeah, that's right. You back up. He's been going on for 20 years, and he hasn't won it, though. That's, that's my concern. He's teaching at a school of 4,000 people in Spokane, Washington. He's made two national championships in the last eight years. That's incredible. I, I concur. I agree with you 100%. That's awesome for few. I'm not hearing the slander. <laughs> My thing, so everybody talks about this every single year when the NCAA, NCAA tournament comes around. The teams that win the, the NCAA tournament are teams with good scoring guards. And Gonzaga has never really had that. I think they've had really great front courts for the last decade plus but Gonzaga has just never had that person that can elevate them to that level where you know like, a good a Suggs good, was Suggs was that Suggs was that but he was there for one year Kevin Pangos was that no no <laughs> I'm like I'm a, I love Kevin Pangos but Kevin Pangos he is, wasn't Kevin Walker but Kevin, he was a great shooter Kevin Pangos is the last Gonzaga guard of that era yeah and I think the post Pangos era has been Josh Perkins, Nigel Williams-Goss, Andrew Nemhard, Jalen Suggs. There's been a, an increase in talent. I think, to your point, Tyler, um, guards do win. Guards do win the tournament for you. I think that Gonzaga has had the talent to do so a couple years. I think like the team that went to the Elite Eight when we were seniors with uh, Perkins... Um, that was Rui's team, Brandon Clark. I think that team was good enough to win. I think every year there are teams that are good enough to win that don't win. Um, and, you know, Gonzaga hasn't put the pieces together for all six wins at this point. Um, but I think that that is... This is going to be a year where there is that question mark at guard in a way that there hasn't been for a while. We've had a pretty steady hand on the rudder for a while. 
Nemhard played multiple years. Perkins played multiple years. Um, we had our one year with in 2020. We didn't play a tournament, but we had you know transfer guards. But um, I hear the point. I think it's fair. I, that, that's my thing. I just want to point out some certain flaws, and I know you guys are fans of this team, but <laughs> there are definitely some some areas where it seems that they are lacking. And when it comes to making, I'm not saying they're not going to win the WCC or anything like that, but when it comes to making a tournament run, these are the things they have to think about. Yeah. And, and well, yeah, I get, I get your point. And this team is the team least equipped to win a national championship, probably in the last five or six years, since they really started this, this, you know, number one seed run that they've been on. Um, I do think, in terms of hand on the rudder, that might be the thing I'm least concerned about because as much as I have my issues with Nolan Hickman, he was the starting point guard of a team that made it to the Elite Eight last year, Sweet 16 last year. Um, Let's say Sweet 16. I forget what happened in the Elite Eight. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I trust him with the ball to a degree. And I am a really big fan of Ryan Nenard. I think both of you guys are a little cooler on my two favorite Zags this year. My two favorite Zags are Ryan Nemhart and Ben Gregg. I think Gregg's shooting his defense. He's a surprisingly good passer. I think he's going to be great. And I think Ryan Nemhart is going to be a Nigel Williams-Goss style ball controller, ball distributor, shooter. He shot 35% on threes last year. Um, you're right. He's not. He's you know six foot and not a freak athlete. He's not a guy that you're going to look to to create a great shot late in the shot clock. But he's going to run this offense uh, the way that few wants it run. So I, they're going to make the tournament and they're going to be good. Will they make another an elite eight run? Probably less likely with the kind of talent and the lack of that go to guy. I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean, I'm high on Nemhard. I think I think the pick and roll. Nemhard, EK is going to be a thing of beauty this year. I think our offense is going to look great. I think it's more just a question of, of yeah, getting that bucket when you need it. But I think Nemhard's going to be awesome. Um, and, yeah, we'll see. I mean, if he can step up offensively, that's probably going to be something he's asked to do now that Venters is out because, you know, that, that question has, has arisen. But uh, I'm definitely confident in his ability to, to run the – to drive the Mark Few Ferrari, if you will. Um, but yeah, it, it's just a matter of getting that bucket. We'll see. We'll see how that plays out uh, when the offense stalls. Yeah, I, I concur. I'm a, I'm a believer in Nemhard. I just don't see him becoming the kind of player that, I don't remember the, the name of this guy, but that Kansas State point guard last year during the tournament who just like Oh, that exploded. guy was awesome. What yeah. was his name? Noel. I know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Noel. Uh, was, was it Jameis Noel or something? Oh, no, like that, that sounds more right. Yeah. Right, so. he, he, that guy exploded. He's a tiny point guard who was just, like, able to get buckets because of his, yeah. you know, I think energy. I think Hickman, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was an athlete in the way that Memard is not. Hickman is more like that in terms of athleticism. Um, but, yeah, Noel was something else. Yeah, what made him so special is his athleticism. All right. Getting towards the wrapping up of this Gonzaga segment, which I've appreciated hearing you guys no. argue a little bit. Um, how do you guys feel about their they're ranked 11th, I believe? How do you feel about that? Is that accurate? 
I think it might be a little higher than they should be. Um, I think they're getting a lot of respect for the, the program that they are, um, but they are replacing most of their scoring, seemingly most of their minutes, um, and they've just got a lot of work to do. I think they're going to get... We're gonna. The rubber is going to meet the road right away. Tomorrow they play Yale in Spokane, which is by no means an easy game. I think it's going to be close. I wouldn't be shocked if they lost, which is crazy to say. But Yale is like a, by all accounts, an experienced team. Um, I'm sure they'll play smart, you know, <laughs> nerds. And then we've only got one tune-up game, Eastern Oregon, before we play Purdue. And then that tournament is, I mean, Marquette, Kansas, Tennessee, I think UCLA. But we may never get to them. Well, we're going to play the losers, though, is the thing. So we're going to play at least, I think, two ranked games over Thanksgiving. And so we're going to find out real quick. I wouldn't be surprised if we dropped a few, dropped down to the 20s in ranking. We could drop out if we lose a few in a row. Um, But, yeah, that's, that's... Awfully pessimistic and steady of you. Um, One note that I want on this discussion is I think the Zags, in terms of being number 11, they are getting uh, some bad press on both sides, both from people outside the program and people like us who know the team intimately. Because people on the outside are looking at the team and saying, like, oh, you know, this tiny program, you know, they've had a good run, but... They don't have the big names that they've had in years past. Um, yeah, we're ready to drop them. And from people like us, we are so used to a real continuity year to year. Um, we're used to, you know, Nigel leaves, but we still have Perkins. And then, you know, it's always, it's one guy, but we still have the next. Jalen leaves, we still have Andrew. Um, Andrew leaves, we still have Timmy. We're used to this kind of chain. And other than Anton, who's not, you know, a primary scorer, um, that chain has been broken this year. What's worth remembering is that this happens to almost all of the biggest teams in the country every single year. You know, how many of Duke's starting five are going to be the same as last year? How about Kentucky? A lot of these teams are getting turned over in real ways. Those teams are right back up at the top. And I know that's like, oh, they may have more big names, but I think it can be overestimated how hard it can be for a talented coach to whip some young, talented players into shape as a team. Um, I know this team is like an unknown, which is totally fair. And to your point, if they were ranked 25 in in two weeks, I would not be baffled. I wouldn't be totally confused. But if they come out of their gates and they're like, oh, no, no, this is going to be the number one offense in college basketball again, and they find themselves, you know, at number seven in a couple of weeks, that wouldn't blow me away either. Um, Purdue is going to be really, really tough. Purdue is the third best team in the nation. They have the defending national player of the year uh, in Zach Eady, which is also going to be a tough matchup for us. Yes. Yes. Uh, but he's a tough matchup for us. <laughs> but particularly with our lack of like extreme athleticism at the 4-5. Real wake-up call last year. Purdue spanked us. Thanksgiving ruined my holiday. <laughs> uh, so we'll see this year again. I mean, yeah, if we beat Purdue, then I'm not concerned at all. If we if we have the talent to beat Purdue, then we have the talent to win any game. Purdue is an issue, a problem. 
<laughs> I hope Anton Watson is ready to play Zach Eady. I hope that Mark Few has been watching their Farley Dickinson game over and over and over again to figure out how to stop them. I can't say I expect us to win that game, but yeah. yeah. And neither, neither would I, certainly. I think Purdue being three might even be underestimating them a little bit. Having the National Player of the Year come back with another year of experience, I think he's going to be a monster. I do like the idea of having Watson be his primary defender, to just be that dog, that like Draymond Green-style defender. Then you've got, you know, Greg or Huff coming off the weak side. Well, sides. yeah, no, frankly, no. last year when we played them, we you obviously need Timmy on the floor, and Timmy is not the man to stop him. <laughs> I don't know if anybody is other than the small little dudes of Harley Dickinson, but, um, like, we'll see. I, it's, I'm not saying we're going to lose that game, but it's going to be an uphill battle. But we'll get another ranked game regardless of that outcome because the other side of the bracket is set up in such a way. Yeah, and I kind of I kind of hope we don't get Kansas because I am ex- I'm expecting to lose that Purdue game. I'm more interested in their matchups in some of these more intermediary-ranked teams. Um, December 2nd, they play USC, who's ranked 21. I think that will be a more reasonable test of this team. The other thing is, you know, with them being kind of new, it doesn't help that they're playing so many of their best games right out of the gate. Um, not necessarily the most definitive way to look at them. Um, but yeah, to be able to play like a number nine Tennessee would be a lot more interesting to me than playing. Is Kansas one? I yeah, so. Yeah, they're number one. I don't want to play Kansas. I don't want to play them. <laughs> Um, I'd way rather play a, a team that can maybe give a better look into what this team is. Because as much as I do like this team, I don't think they're going to be a top five team this year. Um, so I, I'm less interested in those matchups. But man, it is tough. Yeah, we got Purdue and then whoever comes out of that. We got USC on December 2nd. And then our last big non-conference game, I guess we have two, UConn, December 15th. Um, which we are going to. Uh, I'm not, but I'll be watching. Wow, you son of a gun. You're not going to that game? We're talking about this later. Um, and then San Diego State on December 29th. We also play Kentucky in Rupp Arena in uh, February, which I like that they scheduled it that way. Yes, that will be very nice. Um, that's kind of crazy that we're doing that in the middle of in the middle of WCC play. Few and Calipari are friends when... When Cal was at Memphis, they used to always do this, play in the middle of conference play because Memphis was in whatever backwater conference they were in, and we were in our own backwater conference. And so they'd play in the middle of the conference season. So I'm, I'm glad they're doing it again. That's great. I think that's going to be good for our boys because they'll have some time. We'll be playing, you know, at our theoretically at our level. We've got St. Mary's, who I think is going to be very good this year. Um, St. Mary's before then at McCarthy, which will be good. Uh, for our first matchup with them. So, but yeah, so we, at least in terms of this year and how the team's going to look this year, we will know a lot early, um, which could be a blessing or it could, could be a real disappointing way to start the year. I believe in this team. I like this team a lot. I think 11 to 17 is probably a reasonable place for us to end the season. I just think starting at 11, I think we're going to get humbled potentially. Yeah, I would, we'll see. I would rather start at like 17 and be able to, you know, do that Gonzaga thing where we're silencing doubters. But uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see early. I think 
you know, I think 11 is just a little disrespectful just with the way that this program has been over the last five years. Like, you know, we saw like Duke and Kentucky last year. Those teams were very mediocre, getting a lot of love in the preseason bowl. I know it doesn't mean anything, but, you know, maybe throw Mark a few little sugar. Guys on Team USA. Um, we're getting we're getting a lot of love. We lost we lost you know Drew Timmy seventy five percent of your score. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Drew Timmy was one of the best players in the nation. We Does lost Julian Strother, who's playing well in the NBA right now. Like the fact that we're getting any respect with our main returner being Anton Watson, <laughs> I think is a testament to we we do get some respect. But I I hear your point. That is very fair. Um, and yeah, the only other game we really wanted to note was. Uh, the tune-up game of all tune-up games, which is coming December 9th. It's going to be really good, you know, after those Thanksgiving games. If we take a couple bad ones, um, it's nice to know that we've got that Gonzaga-Washington game on December 9th. Zags are going to win by 40, and it's going to be it's going to be good for the team, good for the vibes for sure. Um, Tyler, help us out. I don't I don't think either one of us knows really anything about this this UW basketball team. What are they looking like? Yeah, so here's here's where I get to shine a little bit. I, I like to know how to cook my meat. <laughs> so UW picked up, let me count real quick. They picked up six notable transfers um, in the transfer portal. They picked up Paul Mulcahy, Mulcahy from Rutgers, um, Wilhelm Breidenbach from Nebraska, um, Nate Calmes, Calmes from, um, I believe that's Loyola, maybe, Lamar, um, Sevier Wheeler from U- from Kentucky, they picked up Anthony Holland from Fresno State and Moses Wood from the University of Portland, who God was a damn. big Portland guy. Transfer portal. Portland being told to me is a dark horse to win the WCC this year. That's coming from my brother, an alum. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out for that Portland squad, man. They, you know, they always play hard. Um, UW does lose PJ Fuller uh, and Cole Bajima and Keon Minifield, um, who were kind of and Noah Williams, who are kind of the four main pieces that they lost in the transfer portal. Um, and or graduation. Um, but really, they didn't lose much in terms of their offensive production. I think Keon Brooks was UW's main player, and he's sticking around. Um, and, yeah, everybody else kind of rotated through. Um, they're big players, so they've played one game at the time of this recording. And Corin Johnson scored 25 points in 27 minutes. So a really good start. He uh, he was averaging seven points a game last year. So I think it's going to be him who's he's kind of our, our young guard who's coming in and taking taking the reins from PJ Fuller, um, and he'll step in and hopefully be more of a scorer than anybody else and kind of be that secondary scorer behind Brooks, who I think averaged like seventeen points a game last year. Brooks was really nice. I think he was an All Pac twelve guy. Um, and yeah, the one thing to note, I think in in this first game we played. Bellerman, and we won 91 to 57. We had 19 assists, 10 steals, five blocks. We also had 16 turnovers. That's the <laughs> point. Um, but the real key with UW's production is going to rely on their zone, as as all Jim Beheim Syracuse zones are based off of. It relies on athleticism and creating turnovers on the other from the other team. Um, and UW doesn't really have a stretch where they're playing any super good teams. Gonzaga, they play Gonzaga. Arizona. Now, oh, now. They play one super good team. Well, they play Gonzaga, Arizona, and USC. Those are the three ranked games they have this entire season as of right now. Um, so their tests aren't super crazy, which I think will give them a chance to really improve over the course of the season. Obviously, Gonzaga is going to be a big test to start. 
But um, well, that's, that's in December too. Yeah, that that two three zone is going to be like they're going to have time to figure it out over the first month of the season, and Gonzaga is going to be kind of the pinnacle of that you know arch of figuring out their how they're going to run their team. Down here for the Pac twelve, feeling feeling good about their their outlook. No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the UW game will actually be will actually be a competitive game. I um, I'm a noted UW disliker, but um, I'm you know we'll we'll be playing in heck ed, so there's that. Um, as you kind of alluded to, it's you know the first big game or you know the, the biggest non conference game maybe on their on their. Uh, on their schedule, but it is, you know, not so early as to be, they're still figuring it out. Um, you know, I think that's going to be a game, certainly, where Nemhard is going to have to be real good with the ball. Everyone is going to have to be good with the ball. Uh, I don't know if we're playing any other team that runs zone like that. It's obviously a unique situation, and, and if the personnel have figured it out, then it's going to be a challenging game. UW plays us pretty hard, even in years where they're not as good. I mean, the Rui team, we beat them by a possession. Ayai hit the dagger in Heckhead last time they played there. But, like, we were, I mean, as far as end of the season, that shouldn't have been as close of a game as it was. Not to be mean, but, like, they, <laughs> they, they play us tough. And also, like, I mean, Mike Hopkins, I know lots of people want him, want him out, but if he can beat Gonzaga, then that'd be, a, you know... Make another year out of it. <laughs> <laughs> and big game for them, too, just in terms of the matchup has been very one-sided for a while now. And I know they would like to get back to the times. And, you know, we would all like to get back to the times where that's a fun, competitive game. And and it has it has stayed competitive. But uh, Zags have won six or seven straight at this point. Um, it's been a lot. So, it, you know, I was obviously blustering. I, I don't want all that smoke, but... I do believe in my boys. Yeah. No, the main thing with UW's team is, and with any 2-3 zone that's run in the Syracuse way, is you need big athletes. That's kind of how that zone works. Big, long arms clogging up the middle, make all passes tough, and really just you have to make that free throw line shot. Otherwise, every shot is going to be contested. Um, and so I think that's kind of where UW's been trying to go to. Uh Corin Johnson's our small our smallest player that's been getting big minutes. He's 6'2", and he's going to be the main like point guard facilitator. Everybody else is above 6'6". Like it's a big team. Um, what's it, Paul? I think Mokahi. I don't remember if it was Paul or whatever his okay, first name is. Yeah. Mokahi. Um, he had I think he was nine eight and seven in their first game. Like he had nine points, eight rebounds, seven assists. He's going to be a great like number two. Keon Brooks is uh, a very good scoring small forward, kind of the opposite of what you guys have in that position at this point. Gosh damn. Um, and I think, you know, when it comes to playing on Zaga, he's going to be the one that's going to be trying to attack you. And then you've got uh, Wood, who's a really good rebounder from, from Portland, who's got experience against yeah, Zags. Yeah, Wood's good. Um, and then, yeah, they've got a nice rotation of bigs who are very athletic, which is what you want in that anchor or that zone. So I just I feel a lot better this year than I have in years past about their ability to either, either run the zone or just be the athletic team that a Syracuse-type team needs to be. Yeah, and I think also... You know, three-point shooting is something that is a little bit of a question mark as well at this point for Gonzaga, and obviously that's helpful versus zone if you can shoot over top of it. 
Um, so I could definitely see this being an ugly game. I am planning on being in attendance for that game, so um, fingers crossed. But I think that could be, uh, well, maybe not an ugly game, but a, a close game. I think that's probably going to be a good game. Um, that might be a good time to have you back on and, and check in. That'll be after the, the Thanksgiving highs or lows. And, and if we lose that game to UW, that might be a, a post-mortem on the season. We can do a little, I'll be back in December, we can do a little discussion of uh, non-con maybe. Yeah. We'll have a Christmas pod with uh, with little Santa John. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's going to be it for the pod. Do you guys have anything else to say before I let John go off on a little monologue about what he, what he wants to advertise today, if he wants it? I don't have much else to say. I'm I, sure I could think of something, but I don't. I'm, I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> When's the next Coyote Picnic show? Well, ironically, the next Coyote Picnic show is the same night as the Gonzaga-UConn game. That's right. Which, yeah, so that's why I won't be at Climate Pledge. But we play at 9 at the Sunset Tavern in Ballard. So if you're watching on TV or you want to hustle back from Lower Queen Anne, I'll meet you there. That's my only real plug. Otherwise, I yeah, I did tell... Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Rosenberger, my brother, really wanted me to plug UP. We'll see if they can snag a win this year. He's confident. Um, Let's go Pilots, baby. Yeah. WCC will be will be challenging this year. We didn't really talk about it, but St. Mary's is good. So Same stuff. BYU will be a challenge. BYU's gone, baby. Oh, that's right. Uh, who needs them? Well... For John Carey and John Rosenberger, I'm Tyler Cartwright, and this has been the Sound Up Seattle podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to give us a follow on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening. You can find Sound Up Seattle on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram, all at Sound Up Seattle, all lowercase, all one word. You can find me, Tyler, at Tycart50, everywhere it's important. You can find John Carey really religiously watching Gonzaga basketball. Uh, John Rosenberger, you got any um, social media to plug? I, I don't. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm private on everything. <laughs> don't at me. <laughs> um, with all that being said, let's go dogs, baby. Let's go bulldogs. Those eggs. Thanks, boys.